I'm sure this will be really interesting to you of uh, how Rabbi Brian prepares for sermons every week. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that's first and foremost on your mind. Um, come Sunday after Shabbat, uh, I read the next Torah portion, the Torah portion of the week, and I see if something comes to me. Uh, I start praying about that. I start listening to things and listening to studies and listening to sermons and reading other scripture. And all of a sudden, wherever it comes from, whether it comes from the Torah portion or whether it comes from another source, something will spark. And I will, something will jump out. And I go, ooh. And it's not a sermon. It's not anything. It's just a little seed. It's a little spark. And I write it down. And I meditate on it. And I pray about it. And usually what happens is something else will pop up and they'll connect. And all of a sudden it'll build. And it'll build. And it'll build. And every time it builds, I either write it down or I record it on my phone. And by the time Friday comes, I have a pretty much baked out sermon. I just kind of have to organize it in a way that would make sense. Sometimes the Lord doesn't really give me anything. And I seek the Lord during the week. And it's like, Adonai, this is your service. What do you want to say? And I always ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say through me? This coming show, I always ask him that. What do you want to say? Uh, this week, I was struggling and struggling and struggling, and you kind of know when you're kind of building something in your own strength versus the Lord flowing through you. Yeah. And you know, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes you got to muscle through things, and then you get there, and it winds up being beautiful and anointed. I, I don't, you know, always go by my feelings to see if the Lord is in it. But I was struggling uh, with coming up with something, and I wound up going to another verse, and all of a sudden, it wound up popping. And all the stuff that I was thinking about and contemplating that I was kind of struggling with goes to the wayside, and I focused on this verse, and so this is going to be the verse that we're going to focus on. I did ask Susie yesterday, I said, Sue, what do you think of me uh, reading this verse and focusing on this as a topic? And her response to me, that sounds like a really wonderful topic to speak about if you want everybody to leave. <laughs> and I said, great, I'll do it. <laughs> so I'm going to start in Malachi 3, verse, I can't even read it, but I'm going to start in Malachi 3, Want some more light? and it says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. It's pretty rough words from God to say that you're actually robbing God. But you ask, how do we rob you? So the people are like, okay, God, we're robbing you. How do we how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there be food in my house. And then God then goes against almost his own word. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you will not have room enough for it. Amen. Amen. 
I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields. will not cast their fruit. I'm not sure what that means. And the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit. That's interesting. Uh, yeah? No, I'm done. But I will never use this Bible again. <laughs> Says the Lord Almighty, all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful Land. Here you go. Elaine, hashtag, Elaine has good eyesight. So everybody knows, everybody that's been here for a number of years is my witness that uh, tithing and offering is not something that I speak about. Uh, there was one message I gave uh, several years ago on tithes and offerings. Uh, everybody that's been here for years knows that our process for bringing forth tithes and offerings is just how you've seen it here, where we have an offering box and it's waved before the Lord. And everybody comes and, and gives forth a personal offering, whatever's on their heart, whether it's money or not. And after it's done, we wave it as a wave offering before the Lord and we put it away and we move on with the service. So you as my witness know that we don't make a big deal out of it. Um, but I do want to speak about it because bringing a tithe is a biblical concept and uh, it is something that is valid even to this day. It is a kingdom concept that the tenth belongs to the Lord. So I'm, I'm going to speak about it. And um, if you're uncomfortable with it, I, I totally understand. Believe me, I've been in congregations where there's a very hyper focus on giving money, and that whole process has really been soiled, I think, by ministers who really hyper-focus on money and say, you know, if you don't do this, then God's not going to bless, and if you don't do this, then God's not going to bless. And at the end of the day, whatever you give, whether it's here or somewhere else, is between you and the Lord. But it is a biblical concept, so I'm just going to push forward. I'm going to speak about it. Uh, Malachi says it's, if you don't tithe, it's actually robbing the Lord. That's a tough word. Uh, now, why does it say that if you do not tithe, um, you are robbing the Lord? The reason is the first 10% of your income, of your abundance, of your belongings, the first 10% is not yours. It belongs to God, period. Now, in spirit, we know that God owns everything. But in the, in the rules of the kingdom, the first 10%, it actually says in Torah, it is the devoted portion. It's actually not yours, it's God's. So he's saying something very strongly in the prophet Malachi that if you keep it, you're, you're robbing what's his. So that's very, very strong. So the tithe, the 10% actually belongs to God. It's his portion. Now, the background of the book of Malachi is Malachi was a contemporary of Zechariah, of Hosea, those prophets. Uh, is a contemporary of, of, um, of uh, from the book of Esther, Mordecai. This is the generation that came back from Babylon. 
And they're setting up from Ezra and Nehemiah, contemporary with Ezra and Nehemiah, that generation that came back from Babylon that was coming back to Israel, and the temple system was starting to get set up again. And I believe that Malachi was now trying to encourage Israel to once again start tithing. Because the temple's coming up, the priesthood is coming back, and it's time to start the process to fill that storehouse with food. But the concept of the 10%, the tithe, belonging to the Lord, is not just a Torah-based concept, meaning a tabernacle and temple-based concept. It goes all the way back. We know that Abraham gave a tenth to Malkitzedek, who was a foreshadow, who probably is incarnate Yeshua, to be honest. And Abraham gave that tenth. So it's one of those commandments that predates Moses. There are some commandments that go, when you go into Genesis, it's there, like Shabbat. God blessed the seventh day prior to Moses giving commandments about Shabbat. That's right. So giving a tenth is something that is, it's not just within the laws of Moses. It's beyond the laws of Moses. It is a kingdom concept. Yes. It's, a, it's part of a kingdom economy. Yes. That God says the first 10% is mine. Yeah. Is mine. And there's actually a process when you give it according to Torah. And Susie and I actually perform it when we give our tithes here in the front. When we give it, you're actually supposed to declare, it says in the, in the, in the Torah, when you give your tithe, you're actually supposed to declare something like, God, I have taken your portion, the devoted portion, out of my house. And I'm giving it to you. And I declare that I have not used it for anything. And it lists things in the Torah. I have not used it uh, to bring food into my house. I have not used it to bury the dead. I have not used it for anything. Here it is. And now that I'm doing it, God, will you bless, not me, it says, will you bless Israel? That is the declaration that the children of Israel had to make when they gave their tithes to the priest. So Susie and I do it, and I always try to make her laugh about it, because the things that we don't use it for, I always try to make her chuckle up here, so if you ever see her laughing under the tali, <laughs> you'll know why now. <laughs> Even the aliens laugh when we do it. So when we come up, I will say, and so makes I'll say, God, we haven't used this portion for anything. We've taken it out of our house. We give it to you. We haven't used it to feed our cats. We haven't used it to go out to dinner. We haven't used it to buy cat toys. We haven't used it to shop on GBC. <laughs> Nor HSN. <laughs> we haven't used it on Amazon.com. We haven't used it for anything. And we give it to you. And I ask God, we say this every time, that you bless Israel. And I say that you bless Mishkan David, which is a, our little part in Israel. So that is what tithing is all about. Susie and I actually have tithing testimonies. Uh, when Susie and I first got married, now Susie and I handle money very, very differently. Susie is ultra, ultra generous. Ultra generous. She has no, no concept of we in our bank account have nothing left. <laughs> 
if we had $10 in our bank account and Susie felt led to give $100 to you, she would do it without a question. She'd write that check knowing full well that God will provide. I am more practical than that. I will say, Sue, can we give like a dollar? I mean, we only have 10 left. So we balance each other out that way. So just know that if Susie and I ever give you a gift or give you an offering that is from us, just know that however much money you got, Susie most likely wanted to give you more and I wanted to give you less. So just know that. So when we first got married, Susie felt led, she was the first to feel led to tithe. And she came to me and said, I want to start giving uh, 10% of our income to the congregation that we were at. And um, the offering is to the Lord. And I have to just free you from something. Uh, the offerings in the time of Moses, as you know, went to the tabernacle and the temple system. It went to the priesthood. It was almost like the tax at the time. Um, but the offering is for the Lord. I can't say that there is an actual biblical mandate that a tithe has to go to your local congregation. I think that is a good concept. I really do. I would have to encourage it wherever your congregation is. But it's really to the Lord. So if you want to tithe to a homeless shelter, give it out to poor people on the street, it's to the Lord. However you feel, the Lord is telling you to use his portion it's holy. That's good. Come on. I can't tell you that it's biblical to say it has to go to your local congregation because it doesn't speak of that. It doesn't speak of that. I think it's good practice, but it doesn't necessarily speak of that. The local synagogue and the local church isn't necessarily the replacement of the temple, but I think it's good. I think it's good practice. I think it's good practice. But the ten percent is the Lord's, and that is a biblical thing, and it's something we all should be doing. And I know that is, that's a challenge for many people. Um, so Susie and I, this is going back in 1997, and she felt led to tithe. And I, being the cheap one of the family, did not feel led to tithe. So she said, yes, I'd like to tithe. And I said, ain't no way nobody's getting 10% of our money. <laughs> so we did what we do very well as a married couple. We compromised. She said, how about I tithe on my own income, because she was working, she still is. Um, we both work, for those who don't know us, Susan and I both work. Uh, neither of us are on any salary here. So whether if you give all your money to Mishkan Debit or none, it affects my life zero and Susie's life zero. I have a full-time job, Susie has a part-time job, and one thing that we are in unity about is that we don't feel, and I have no problem with that, I think a worker deserves his wages. I think pastors that get paid by the congregations or rabbis that get paid by the congregation, that is a holy thing. I'm all for it, I think that is a good thing. Susie and I feel that, that we do not want to have our income based on a congregation, period. That's how we feel about it. This is not, um, to, uh, to speak against pastors who receive income from the congregation. I'm fully supportive of that. Uh, anyways, back to the tithing. So back in 1997, Susie said, I'm going to tithe on my income. You don't have to tithe on yours. So she started to tithe. Immediately, I got a 100% raise in my job. 100%. 
Now, this is not the norm. Right. When God says he's going to pour out the witness of heaven, it's on Israel. So, I got a 100% raise. And then, like, a month or two later, I got pretty much another 100% raise. And she's like, see? I said, okay. I'll start tithing on 10%. It was 10% of our net income. Uh, the net is after taxes. We were uh, then in Seattle, years later, uh, at a Messianic congregation, um, just visiting, and the rabbi gave a, a, a teaching on tithing, and he said tithing is supposed to be on the gross. So in other words, if you make $100 and the government takes 20, leaving you with 80, do you tithe $10 or $8? And he said, you're supposed to tithe on the gross. And here is the biblical mandate for it. Uh, Yeshua was asked by some people that were trying to trap him and said, Caesar wants to tax us this particular tax. Or should we pay it? And you need to read into what was actually happening. They were actually challenging him about tithing. You may not realize that in that scripture. But that's why Yeshua responded, why are you testing me. Remember, Malachi says, test me in this. And you have to understand, test me. This is something, this is not a, a, a Torah concept to test God. We're not allowed to test God. We're not allowed to say, if I do this, then you got to do this. Or I won't do this unless you do this. We're not allowed to test God according to Torah, in, except this one case. Except in this one case, you are allowed to say, I'm going to trust you with my tithe, and I test you to pour out the way, open the windows of heaven, like you said. So the people went to Yeshua and they said, um, do I have to pay this tax? He said, why are you testing me? And he said, this is very important. He said, give to Caesar, give to the government, give to Caesar what belongs to them. And what? Give to God what belongs to God. Well, what belongs to the government? But they tax you. What belongs to God? The tithe. Right. That's right. What he's saying here is pay your taxes and don't let it affect God's portion. In other words, if the government taxes you 20% or 50% or we have a Republican or a Democrat or a conservative or a socialist or if they want to lower your taxes or they raise your taxes, just pay it. And don't let it affect God's portion. God will provide. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. So this one rabbi said, let's test God. If this is speaking to you, then why don't we have a test? Why don't we do a three-month test of tithing on your gross income? And see what happens. And if after three months, nothing's happening, and you're like, okay, this is really just a burden, you are free to go back to whatever you were doing. But let's test God for three months by tithing the gross. So even though we did not live in Seattle, we decided to do it. No, Susie decided to do it, and I capitulated. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I started to tithe on the gross. These are true stories. 
Within the first month, the bank offered to refinance my mortgage to a lower rate, which reduced my expenses, monthly expenses. The next month, I wish I remembered the details, but another bill either got reduced or went away. Within two months, two months, two months, any extra we were paying by tithing on the gross versus the net was taken care of by a reduction of expenses. It was a wash. Within two months. In the third month, Sue's stepfather decided that whatever he had as inheritance money for the kids, he was going to give to the kids now. And he gave us, and we actually got the check on the last day of that third month, $100,000. It enabled us to buy our house. We were able to buy a house, first time, with that money. Now, I'm not saying that my experiences are um, common, but, or maybe they are, but they are valid, um, they are valid and truthful, and Susie and I have been tithing on the gross uh, ever since then, without stopping whether I am working or whether I'm not and on unemployment or whatever it is, we always do it faithfully. Um, so it is a biblical concept. Uh, even Yeshua said we should be tithing. Um, he was reprimanding the Pharisees for not paying attention to the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and compassion. Hmm. He said you should be focusing on that. He said you tithe well, you tithe your Dill, you're into, you know, all the things that they were tithing. You're doing that perfectly. You're missing the weightier matters of Torah, of the law. You should be focusing on righteousness and, and, and justice and mercy and compassion. Do those things, and he said, without neglecting the others. So um, I think that's all I have to say. Um, so tithing is, is a biblical precedent. Uh, I do want to challenge you to tithe, and I would like to do what uh, Rabbi Highland did in Seattle. And if you think that I just want money in the coffers here, I really encourage you then to take your tithe and bring it elsewhere. Um, feel free to give it out to poor, wherever you want. It's the Lord's portion. It's the Lord's portion. But if this is speaking to any of you here um, as a challenge and something to pray about, today is January what? 18th, so February 18th, March, April 18th. I am believing that in three months there are at least two people here that this is speaking to your heart. The rest of you I'll probably never see again. But I think there are at least two people here that are speaking to your heart um, to tithe on your gross salary and actually put God to the test, which he says we were allowed to do. And I will say that in three months, on April 18th, you will come here and you will stand before us with an amazing testimony. Yeah. And if not, it's all between you and the Lord anyway. But feel free after that to pull it back if, if you so want to. So Adonai, I this up to you, God. Um, may your will be done. May you give us, Lord God, divine, supernatural trust, supernatural generosity, Lord God and supernatural faith.
and obedience, and obedience, and obedience. Thank you for that word, obedience. Yes, thank you, Lord. The problem with that we have with obedience is that we equate outcome with obedience. And that's putting God to the test. I will obey, but I expect this outcome. And in our lives, what a blessing it will be if we can separate our obedience yes. from outcome. All right, now I'm going to start preaching. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Praise the Lord. I mean, we see that with Moses in this Torah portion, don't we? Moses, go to Pharaoh, and he's going to let you go. And Moses' kitchen sink to every, you know, threw everything out about the kitchen sink. But I don't know how to speak. I, you know, my Zipporah is not feeling well. She's got the flu. I gotta go. I gotta go sit with her. You know, I gotta go tend to the sheep. I, I you know, I, I, you know, she she wants me to go take her to the movies. You know, like every excuse under the sun, he gave to God that he didn't want that he was the wrong guy. He did not trust his gift or his guts to do it right. But he muscled through it. Our friend Moses, who we've missed <laughs> through the book of Genesis, he muscled through it anyway. And with shaky knees and trembly voice, he went to Pharaoh and he did what God told him to do. And Pharaoh said, Blow it out of your rear, get out of here. And not only that, I'm increasing the burdens on the people. And the people hated Moses for it. Can you imagine God telling you to do something? And you, in, in your best effort, even though you were afraid to do it, you did it? I mean, this is a word for anybody who felt led to like go and pray for a stranger. Or, or, or ask somebody to accept the Lord. Or anybody who stepped out in faith and courage encouraged and did not get the result that you anticipated. Imagine that. God telling you to do something and he says, if you do it, this is going to happen. And you do it and it doesn't happen. At the end of this Torah portion, God corrects everything. You know what he says right at the very end of this Torah portion? It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Now you will see what God will do. Praise the Lord. Yes. God is looking for a people that will separate the outcome from the obedience. Yes. yes. And will obey just to obey. Amen. Bless the Lord. So, Father, we lift this up to you, Lord God. And if anybody is feeling inclined or challenged, Lord, with their abundance to give 10% to you, Adonai, at least them to do it, Lord God. I pray that you quicken whichever hearts you would like to quicken. Yes. yes. Thank you. Quicken whatever hearts you would like to quicken, Lord God. And we are believing for a wonderful testimony in three months. Amen. Praise the Lord. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. amen.